The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. My name is Jeremy Wiseman. I'm joined by Jerry Karaya, and we're going to be talking about the world of physical precious metals and natural fancy colored diamonds, assets that perform, assets that are going to protect you during these volatile times, and we're going to talk a lot about the reasons to hold physical metals. We'll also do a little bit of the macro picture, right, Jerry? Get Make that. sure we, we get uh, some of the macro points across. Um, we're also going to get to this Anheuser-Busch stuff about, you know, going woke, going broke, and dig a little bit deeper on that because there's a really good article that came out. Um, I think it's by Jordan Sather, and he brings up some really interesting awesome. points. So we're going we're gonna to bring that up a little down the road. But first, let's talk about the physical gold and silver market. Another week where we were uh, above $2,000 an ounce on gold. Uh, I think we're I think we're we've come back down on a Friday. I think we were up at like 2040 yesterday mm-hmm. on Thursday. Today on Friday I think we're trading right now around 2000. Silver moved up nicely as well, breaking the $25 level and moving quickly into the the the, the mid to high $25. I think we've come off a little bit as well there, but but still trading around 2530. So, in terms of ranges, Jerry, I I think gold is looking really, really good above 2000. That's a psychological level where we've been trying to poke our our head up above Mm -hmm. that 2000 for a while. Now it's comfortably above there. I think psychologically people can get used to that number. It soon soon becomes a floor. And as we like to use the term base camp, Mm -hmm. we're at a new base camp. We're we're setting up shop at $2,000 an ounce. Silver is kind of mid-range of where it's been consolidating basically between 22 and 28 over the last couple of years. So we're kind of moving into the the top end of the range. But are we in given the current run in the market is there still is there still a lot of runway ahead? Mhm. Absolutely. There's still a lot of runway. Uh, we had a very good week. We were both metals were plus and positive, still positive on the week. I mean, yesterday silver was up 5% on the week. Now we're up about 2% on the week. And uh, base camp gold holding above, I believe, 1980 would be the floor here. Um, for silver, anywhere around 2480 would be a good floor. As I mentioned last week and the week prior to that, the resistance on gold was 2040, um, and that's where we rested yesterday at close. Um, so very positive, very up above all the week. Gold is winning, silver is winning every week. We have to before we see any rally, you you have short-term victories. You nothing goes straight up. You have short-term victories, and you have a winning week. You have a winning week, and then you start seeing the seeing the rallies that happen. And it's going to be a very exciting rally. And of course, just to conclude the week, as we are entering into IMF weekend, there's a lot of talk about their currency that they're introducing. Of course, digital, uh, but they wheeled out Waller, Fed. He's a Fed chair member. He had some hawkish comments. He just came out, and that's what's driving and supporting U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar looked like it was going to break down, talking about the U.S. dollar index, which I keep an eye on. We were up hovering above the 100 mark. If the 100 breaks into the 90 level, then you can have a free fall in the U.S. dollar. Precious metals will rise because they are inversely correlated to that. But they wheel out 
the prop the the Fed member uh, Waller who came out this day. He's the Fed governor, Christopher Waller. Um, he broke um, some news this morning, and it, it was very he was very hawkish, and he ha- he actually because of his comments, um, it sends rate hike odds surging. So as a result, the U.S. dollar was found a little bit of buoyancy, and metals again is just a correction. It's all algorithm trading on gold and silver. So if you're scratching your head, what happened? The wind is not out of our sails. We still have the wind under us. And, you know, they rely on speeches. That's all they really have. The Fed is trapped. And all they can rely on is this microphone here. And, and let's get to the mic. Let's say something. And hopefully we can uh, we can convince the world that the U.S. dollar is somewhere I want to be. Yeah, the, that's not the case. Yeah, I read an article. The, 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 the writer said, these are not the droids you're looking for. That's what their, that's what their speeches essentially come down to. Uh, the number 18778-SILVER, the website guildhallwealth.com. It's a good topic to discuss um, Jerry, with regard to the U.S. dollar, in the, does the dollar have to fall for precious metals to rise? There's often this idea that there's um, a binary approach, a yin-yang, that not necessarily it's a one-to-one step, but that you know, you, if you look at charts, you could say all currencies have been falling long-term which is why you've seen the value of the metals increase long-term because gold and silver aren't doing anything. They're inert. It's the currencies are falling around them. But do you need to see a massive pullback in the U.S. dollar or a massive collapse of the U.S. dollar to see higher prices in the metals? Mm, not at all. It's, I think it's a reaction and a result of the impact of the negative dollar and the de-dollarization that's happening and the, and the impacts, the negative impacts of interest rate hikes when all worst worst time possible. You have too much debt, too many, uh, too much uncertainty, and as a result, a string of bank collapses, ha- ha- collapses happened last month, which has added more and new uncertainty to the outlook this year. Um, IMF revisions downward, GDP revision downward. Um, stagflationary worries. Even you know, Fink, he's a uh, he was he came on the wire this week. He is um, he is the CEO of uh, the name slips my mind, but he came out saying that we're going to be seeing longer inflation. Even though the the data came out this week is showing inflation actually dropped. Um, again, my radar is on that CPI data. The the measure the the way that they calculate inflation is skewed. It's literally a lie when you're not including certain things that are very important to our lives and you're not including into the basket of of prices moving up um it's very unethical in my opinion and um yeah you can't just start taking things out of the basket if the price gets too if it if the price becomes inconvenient Mm -hmm. you know uh, you just say okay that's it you're not buying steak you're you're buying sirloin and you're not buying sirloin you're buying ground Mm -hmm. um buses are getting too expensive so you're going to ride your bike uh that's kind of i know that's reductive but that's kind of how they handle the math on it. And if you want to know, if you want to do your own research and see how the number should be looking, you can go to shadow stats, John Williams, because he uses the numbers the way they did it back in the seventies, which is a a much more transparent way of doing it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but uh, look, Jerry, no one's, no one's looking at inflation saying, Oh, that that's not happening. Like (laughs) that's a conspiracy theory. No, I mean, there's nobody, there's nobody out there saying inflation's a conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. No, no, we, we see right through it. I mean, everyone shops and everyone knows that 
prices have gone up double digits, but we're being told that CPI inflation is hovering around 6%. Okay, so let's talk about raising rates for a moment and the net effects of raising rates. We've often talked on this show about the more they raise rates, something will break, the pivot will happen. That's kind of, that's kind of our go-to. But when you're raising rates, someone's getting hurt, and they're, they're raising the rates on themselves, and all this money that they've borrowed, these major banks, that it starts to seem like a concerted effort to, make, to build up pain in the system. Why do you think that they want that? In other words, why, why doesn't the Federal Reserve just say, screw it, like, we'll just drop rates, who cares? Mm -hmm. But why are they doing it to themselves? Mm -hmm. And you end up with, like, um, Silicon Valley Bank, for instance. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't make sense. It's kind of, it's a head scratcher. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you have to keep an eye on those banks. These are very important uh, institutions that are, that are being uprooted. And you have, you know, Charles Schwab now, one of the big players, um, heavily involved in lending and it, you know, we know that Charles Schwab has a lot of influence and impact to to the Green Bank up here in Canada. So everything is sort of interconnected. So yeah, the question is, why are they doing it? Why are they raising rates? It's their job, Jeremy. It's their it's their it's their dual mandate: keeping in employment up and keeping inflation down. That's their job. Otherwise, why do we have a Fed? And this is the argument of ending the Fed. If you're not doing the job, then go by the wayside. Go somewhere else. Let's restructure. And that's what's going on. Okay, yes. Yeah. So great segue into the BRICS, where this week more and more more deals are going down every day with the BRICS. Surprisingly, even the president of Brazil, who I thought everyone hated because they thought he was all corrupt and everything, he's he's become pro-BRICS all of a sudden. So that be that again a, a head scratcher there. But he does want to go forward with the BRICS. He's saying, let's get rid of the dollar altogether. And then the BRICS came out this week and started talking about backing a currency with gold and rare earth metals. Mm -hmm. Wow. Huge. Not only that, the physical gold on the London exchange has been dropping fast. They've had something like 16 withdrawals. Um, massive tonnage coming off of off of the London exchanges. And this is basically saying if you stored physical gold in in London, uh, sovereign nations are taking delivery, mm -hmm. essentially is what that is. So big, big things happening in the BRICS nations, oh, which huge. is going to put put more and more pressure on in on Western institutions, it is and Western dollar and what happens when they start dropping even more of their treasuries. Even more so from Brazil. I mean, there's there's more additions coming to the BRICS in the next segment. We're going to get into that further. Uh, lots of exciting stuff happening with the BRICS, Jeremy. And not only that, but there is a forecast in gold, Jerry, over $20,000 an ounce. We'll get into that in the next segment. The number 18778-SILVER, the website, guildhallwealth.com. It's The Real Money Show on AM640. We'll be right back. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. We've been talking Fed. We've been talking BRICS. 
we've been talking about the potential for $28,000 gold. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Overall, Jerry, what's been, um, I know you've done some presentations over the last couple of weeks. I did one yesterday. What are some of the major concerns that people are coming to you with and what's the general um, you know, feeling out there right now? Let's say, you know, what are we, at least a month past the Silicon Valley Bank collapse? Yeah. Are people still really worried or what, what's, what are you seeing is mostly on people's minds? Yeah, because we, you know, at these presentations, a lot of freedom groups uh, that are coming together, a lot of people that have um, banded together during the last few years and creating parallel economies, parallel societies, parallel banking, learning to barter and trade, a lot of exciting things happening at the grassroots level. And nothing can happen. No big change can happen unless we start at the ground gr grassroots. So a lot of great people, and we're talking about reserves, and this is such a very hot topic that I like to highlight because, first of all, we have to remember back in you know, we talk a lot about fractional reserve banking. But two years ago, March 15th marks the day, just last month, two years ago, that the Fed reduced the reserve requirement ratios from fr the fractional, whether it be 10% or 3%, down to 3% reserves, to 0%. So there's no longer a need to hold our, our deposits in the bank. So when you deposit your $1,000 in the bank, that you normally leave uh, $30 or so or $300, and then they invest in throw the dice with our money and invest. But when I want to return, my, I want to get my money back, they got to pay me with Bob and then pay Bob's. And then Bob comes back and wants his deposits. So this is a topic of this classic Ponzi uh, happening. And, you know, there's panic at the FDIC. People are concerned about solvency. People are concerned. And my job is to talk about what are reserves? Why do central banks, why do countries require gold reserves? It's not just, I'm going to have it because it's a, it's a relic or it's tradition, like Bernanke says. <laughs> gold and silver is a reserve in the event of conventional arrangements failing. Conventional meaning financial institutions, your currencies, banks. Your gold reserve must perform and will perform when all those things go belly up. And that's what people are concerned, and people are looking for gold and silver, um, doing it the right way, whether it be to take it home, get some coins, or if you have RSPs, how to, how to get that away from the SWIFT system. Undigitizing right now is a very important topic, and people are just not comfortable with anything digital. we got new digital agreements happening from the banking section. Um, Everything is moving towards digital, which is fine up to a point. You know, video games were into those things and cell phones, but that I draw the line there. Yeah, not I, with my money. Yeah, there's there's that kind of you know, thou shall not infringe, right? It gets to a point where it's just once it starts to feel like an infringement, and I think that's where where the jury's still out on the digitization of the financial system. It's like where where does it start to infringe? And we've seen it happen in the past with the convoy and whatnot, and people are walking. People have the choice to unsubscribe from things and take their funds and take it elsewhere. And, you know, the thing about gold is it, it insulates you, gold and silver, it insulates you because it's a hard asset. It's held outside the banking system. It's real money. And one of the major tenets of money is that it be a store of value. Now, that's why we, now here's where we always trick ourselves because we say what's in the bank is our money, mm -mm. but that's not money, that's a currency. If I had uh, uh, $200,000 in a, in a bank and I can't take out the cash, then what is in the bank exactly? 
If I have $200,000 value of gold in a vault, I can withdraw that anytime. It's my product. It's my asset. It's always there. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's this trend towards an understanding of what it means to have real money and it's an actual asset mm -hmm. and it's something that you can hold in your hand and that's what we're offering people. And this idea of, of unsubscribing, Jerry, I think this would be a good time to talk about the whole idea of, you know, if you don't like uh, the content being provided by a certain company, you go, okay, I'm unsubscribing, right? Not necessarily just because there's inflation, but because mm -hmm. it, you're voting with your pocketbook. Correct. And uh, as you know, Anheuser-Busch for Bud Light um, decided to go woke with uh, completely against the norm of, of who their clientele is. Mm -hmm. Know your clients. Right? Because you're talking like half a percent of the population. That's not who's drinking Bud Light. And you're trying to get more people to drink Bud Light. So uh, you know about this. It was an epic failure. They lost, what, $6 billion in six days, mm -hmm. and now they've even had to pause. Yeah. They've, they've finally Pivot. capitulated and paused. So, you, so everyone kind of knows the story, peripherally or not. Uh, Jordan Sather, um, he's got a great podcast. The guy really knows, can call out BS. He's really, sure. really good at that. He, he penned an article, and, and here's, the, here's the crux. Did you know that there is such a thing as the human rights campaign hrc is the acronym they are a large social justice warrior ngo in operation since 1980 pushing every every woke initiative you can think of from climate change to securing democracy to lgbtq campaigns and more um, here's a quote. He says, if you're not familiar with human rights campaigns names, you may have seen their logo around, which is kind of like Ukrainian color, but it's an equal sign. And what, what he basically says, oh, by the way, he said that the human rights campaign started an initiative in 2002. It's led by Kelly Robinson and she worked on the Barack Obama presidential campaign. Um, okay. And then they created this thing called a corporate equality index. And essentially what it comes down to is it is forced compliance through major banking. And he gets into this and he specifically, he's showing companies that have signed on to corporate equality index, uh, companies like Amazon, Apple, Walt Disney, Pfizer, um, Google, uh, Macy's, Intel, these type of things, Morgan Stanley, mm -hmm. <laughs> the typical number. <laughs> Typical players. Anyway, guys, where this is going is it gets up to BlackRock. There we go. We get, we get to BlackRock. Um, in a letter, in, to, in a 2018 letter to CEOs about ESG values, right? We've talked about that. Uh, the CEO of BlackRock, Larry Fink, Fink, wrote, if a company doesn't engage with the community and have a sense of purpose, it will ultimately lose the license to operate from key stakeholders. Larry Fink is one of the main, if not the main pusher of ESG on corporate America. You don't get a good woke score, we'll write bad press about you and tank your stocks. Some may be thinking, why would the company do this? They're going to lose many sales, right? Mm -hmm. why, would, why would they put out an, an ad campaign, Anheuser-Busch, knowing that it's going to tank sales? 
But the money lost from the upset conservatives, because no one cares about the conservatives over ideological reasons, pales in comparison to the money these corporations could lose if their main shareholders threaten to pull their stake. So what we have, as according to Jordan Sather, is corporate blackmail on mm -hmm. the part of the major corporate banks. Mm -hmm. like, so if you don't go woke. If you don't go woke, we're, we're going to tank your stock. We're going to make sure that you are a pariah on national TV. And we're going to make sure that your company basically withers on the vine. Don't these, don't these companies, though, have backbone and say, I can either do this and lose my credibility and reputation forever or stand up and, and, and show the world what's going on. If your, tank, if your stock starts to tank, on what purpose and what's what reason? Because of BlackRock? I mean, the truth will come out eventually, hopefully. Well, I think this is a... That's interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. And we haven't had a chance to talk about it. So we're talking about it, you know, no. right now. And it's one of these things where it's like they're pushing... They push too far too fast. You Six know? days. You lost billions. Well, no, no I'm talking about BlackRock. Oh, okay. Right? Mm -hmm. you, you're getting to a point where people are... You know, maybe in the past they could do it and it didn't affect sales as much. Now it is. Now people are, are gathering together and they've seen this they've seen this story before and they're hip to the story. You mm -hmm. were saying that earlier with the people that you're having um, your conferences with and, and whatnot. People are saying, Listen, I can unsubscribe. I can say no, I'm not ordering this. You can you can have uh, country music stars saying, Nope, we're not gonna have this True. on our on our tour bus anymore or on our tour, we're not mm -hmm. gonna offer it. And and get to a point where the companies, because of people, and because I think naturally these companies like BlackRock probably underestimate conservatives, and they think Could, that they are the majority just mm -hmm. because they control major news networks. But the question is, who's watching major news networks? What are now, the ratings like? That was right? then. This is now. Right? Yeah, and then you start to see now, even in Canada, you start to see major networks starting to criticize mainstream. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. mainstream criticism of that would never have happened a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. You could not have had that type of criticism. Now it's like, okay, well, we can criticize. So I think that it, it's interesting that people are standing up to it. And now, to your point, they are getting to a place where where major company like Anheuser-Busch has to say, heads I lose, tails I lose. Mm -hmm. well, am I, why am I sticking with this? So I might as well stick with my clientele. If, right. Right. Mm -hmm. But maybe this is just a problem with the whole game in general of That's stocks right. and it's gotten it's gotten out of hand. Now, if it's gotten out of hand, just stick with me for one second. I know I'm kind I'm of here. hogging, I'm but no, no, perhaps part of the reason it's gotten out of hand is because of all the money that they've printed out in thin air or currency out of thin air and all the debts that they've been taken on and the low interest rates and the ability to. Um, distort all the value that's out there that it makes it think that these corporate banking uh, bohemus mm -hmm. have that much pull when in actual fact if you're at zero reserves you're you're in panic mode mm -hmm. and you're just hoping your hot air as, as you mentioned earlier is enough to get people scared i i think anheuser-busch now is a morality tale to more corporations that if they get if they get pushed on them some woke agenda that they might think twice about it mm -hmm. Absolutely. If I mean, this is just one uh, major corporation uh, that could be blackmailed, as Jordan Sather talks about, um, you know, being pressured to to openly offer these types of policies that are against, uh, especially conservative values. 
It's definitely the trend that we're seeing, though, and this is a trend of unsubscribe and, and creating a parallel a parallel system. And this is sort of the same type of bully tactic that was used nationally when we saw uh, Russia getting kicked off the SWIFT system. You, you, we created a parallel economy. I'm not a participating in that. They foresaw the you know the sanctions coming. They knew this was happening years prior, and they've made alliances, and alliances are, are moving on. And we are seeing major um, development with the BRIC nations back to them because this is, you know, an unsubscribe. They're unsubscribing to U.S. hegemony, the um, the U.S. dollar usage. Uh, they've had enough. A lot of the, you know, uh, developing nations who are holding U.S. debt are now paying so much more in interest. So they, it's un unaffordable. This U.S. dollar, U.S. Federal Reserve note um, ex experiment. It's it's f failing rapidly. And now that this is getting this trend is getting more and more, I guess, building much more confidence. You have a lot more smaller nations happily joining and showing interest. Mexico is actually getting closer to joining the BRICS um, per reports coming out this week. Um, and this is going to be a major blow and a major wake-up call for us here in North America because U.S. is doing major things. Canada, we saw, you know, dominoes falling for the Tr Trudeau and their federation. Did they return the money? We don't know. But massive things are happening in North America. While we many are concerned about a central bank digital currency, I'm not. Because we're on the outside looking in. And what's going on in the inside is a gold-backed system. Because gold is the trust that was lacking. And no one trusts the old guard. We're looking towards the new guard, Jeremy. It's a very exciting time for gold. Yeah, you need trust and transparency, and gold does that, and men behind the curtain pretending to have discipline do not, because they're easily corrupted, and power corrupts absolutely, yes. right? So uh, what does that mean? It means you should have your own sovereignty. It means you should have a portion out of the banking system. It should mean that you have physical assets that are real money, that are a real store of value, and that's what we help people do with physical gold, physical silver. You can do it in an, a registered account, and the product is still held in a vault facility outside the banking system. So this is something to definitely take a look at as opposed to just having currencies and having equities that are all valued in those currencies, which are all devaluing because you can't print to for eternity. Mm -hmm. At some point, the reality steps in and says, here's what the real world costs. The number, one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. And we have to get to that 28,000 number on gold and why they're predicting that next on The Real Money Show on AM640. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. My name's Jeremy. I'm joined by Jerry. And uh, do you ever, do you check out King World News? I haven't done it in a long time, but they're, yeah. still, they're still on fire. For they're sure. still, they're still great. Um, he has a, a, a regular contributor, Grady, out of Sweden, and he posted this on April 11th. He posted up to his site a five-year chart breakdown for the very important Dow Jones versus gold ratio. It's a great yeah, ratio. I, I teach it to everybody who comes into the office that in 1980, gold hit 850. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was, was at 850 points. That was a one-to-one -one ratio. In 2011, 
uh, gold, uh, the, the Dow coming off its bottoms from 2008, gold hit the peak. And at that peak, we hit a four to one ratio on the Dow. And that was 2000, what was it? Close to $2,000 an ounce. And today we're around, I believe, 16, 17 to one on that ratio. So you need that many ounces to purchase the entire Dow. Correct. So if you have $2,000 gold, and you times it by 10, that's 20,000. That's not where the Dow is, it's at 33. So 16 times two, we're, we're at 33 kind of thing. Got it. 32 actually. Um, so I guess it's at 17. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, my math's okay. It's still sharp. So he says, uh, he says, posted on a five-year chart breakdown of the very important Dow Jones versus gold ratio. Now it has break, now it has breakdown in the marking on 25-year chart. Charts show gold will outperform stock market going forward. I guess he writes in very uh, short, <laughs> short things. Uh, this chart is now hugely changing global capital flows towards precious metals. Obvious. Yes. Right? Thank you, Captain Obvious, because you're seeing massive amounts of product being pulled off, off exchanges. Mm -hmm. Premiums are rising in the market. That means there's more demand and than shortages. there's physical supply. And uh, it's not just it's not just every you know regular day people buying gold and silver, but uh, central banks and and such. So, with that said, um, it's now broken out of a twenty five year channel, and that ratio is in a downside trend, which says that gold is going to massively outperform stocks going forward, and as such, he sees gold at forty eight thousand dollars an ounce. Hmm. Now it's a bit odd because, um, what would what that's saying that the the Dow goal the Dow continues higher that the Dow would go to forty eight thousand. Mm, that's an interesting view, right? I, I don't know how the Dow gets to of it because if yeah, we, if we're in a stagflationary environment, stocks necessarily don't perform in stagflationary environment. And it was it was Larry Fink from BlackRock, I, the name. I yeah, he remember. just came out this week, He's didn't like, he? Inflation's here to stay. It's yeah. going to be sticky for a long time. So that's stagflation. So in a stagflation, oh, what does he know? Uh, what is what is this fake guy? <laughs> know no, but uh, you know the numbers are there. We can we can see the various technical analysis, the cup and handle. Obviously, I see eight thousand plus. Um, in, the, in the very near term, and this is a very exciting time to be looking at. And you know what? Especially with what's going on with the drawdowns out of the LME, the, L the London Metals Exchange is under a lot of scrutiny, including who who are the major players with the LME. And we know J.P. Morgan is is that entity. They have their hands almost in every dirty pocket right now, including the London Metals Exchange, including what's going on with the Epstein and the money laundering scenarios that they've been so. We know that J.P. Morgan, they have uh, dozens of base metal clients, and what they have done, they have slashed bankers' bonuses. They have cut dozens of base metal clients because they were involved in the LME nickel issue that happened um, two years ago with the nickel squeeze. And further, we realized that you know they went in there, Ting Sheng Holding Group, went in to find out, let's go check out the bags of nickel. They opened up the bags of nickel in London, and they realized they were just bags of rocks and dirt, representing contracts. So the issue for us is, what else is in those bags? Where's the silver inventory? Uh, they tried the old Indiana Jones. <laughs> the old switcheroo. They tried the old switcheroo. Who took it? Huh? Who took, who took the bag of who silver? Who took the bag of sand? They could put sand and rocks. 
Well, you know what? That, that is uh, indicative of what you saw with Deutsche Bank for years. They, we're cutting it down. We're, we, we've got to cut, trim employment. We have to do all these try to things to stay in place. And then it started happening in Switzerland as well. And then you had a shotgun wedding of the banks. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, this is this is kind of end game stuff when you're having to to lower to lower um, reserves to zero when you're resorting to putting rocks and things. That's the, it, this is an this, this is, is a high re and this this is rehypothecation everywhere. There needs to be a one to one capital reserve should be one to one or a very narrow uh, a narrow ratio because there's trust issues everywhere and. The, the deliveries are coming out. And as a result of this, you're having people holding these paper contracts, contracts equaling 5,000 ounces, inquiring what's in my contract. Let's go see this. Where's my silver inventory? Let's take delivery. And if the COMEX, and I think it was Mike Maloney who had a video on this and talking about potential, they're eyeing COMEX defaults. Okay, this is a massive, uh, another massive default that can happen because of the fractional reserve system. That is the moral hazard, as Mises Institute wrote this week. Fractional reserve banking is that moral hazard, and it all the truth always comes out to light. So you may you better have a good reserve that is disconnected from those paper contracts. Yeah, you wanna you wanna be prepared. You wanna have your sovereignty. You wanna know that you're out of harm's way. And part of being out of harm's way is having good diversification. And so we're not advocating that, that people have 100% in physical gold and silver, but it's certainly good to have a portion of your wealth in gold and silver because there's no counterparty risk. If you have it in a vault, no one can touch it. That is your physical product. Or you just take it home and you protect it yourself and you self-store the product. And you can always crawl, walk, run with Guildhall. The number, one eight seven seven eight silver The website, guildhallwealth.com. More to come. Look who's talking about the gold standard. We're going to talk about that in the next segment, as well as other ways to protect your wealth. That and much, much more, again, on The Real Money Show on AM640. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to The Real Money Show. The number, one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. And uh, let's talk about other ways to protect physical wealth in, or wealth in general, with physical assets, uh, gold and silver, you know, all you have to do, try to watch what's going on with the BRIC nations because you can see um, th the walls are closing in with regard to BRIC nations. And the difference is, is these, all of these nations want to work together. They want equality. They are looking for ways to make trade deals amicable for the, for, for the players. And it's gotta, and it's gotta all be transparent. And that's sort of another trend we're seeing is a move towards transparency. And where there is no transparency, people are not interested. So physical gold and silver do give you that transparency because it's, a, it's an actual asset that you're holding in your hand. And part of that is also moving to some sort of standard, which I believe, and I know you believe, Jerry, that the pendulum will swing, that we're, we'll go from unhinged, uh, valueless currencies that have no grounding in anything to a currency that has um, that does have grounding that does have backing that does have natural discipline its nature 
and that's physical gold and silver gold standards. And there's more people coming forward wanting gold standards, isn't there? Mm -hmm. We talked about last week, 23 states have, have moved in support of bringing back sound money, gold and silver to be used um, for the purpose of paying taxes, removing capital gains. So they're doing all of these tabling, these bills. But the bill that came out and focused on through Yahoo Finance is actually talking about this uh, more, is the gold standard. There was a bill that was tabled called H.R. 2435, and three congressmen introduced this gold standard bill to stabilize the dollar value. As America faces the twin th threats of inflation and bank failures, three U.S. congressmen, this is Yahoo Finance, introduced a pivotal sound money bill that will enable the U.S. Federal Reserve note dollar to regain stable footing for the first time in more than half a century. Now, this is interesting because we know that bills are just bills. They're just going to sit by the wayside. But this is what's grassroots, grassroots talking here. The states are seeing themselves being isolated from the rest of the world. You have BRIC nations moving. Now Mexico, the neighbor, the southern neighbor of the U.S., is now knocking on the door of the, 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 the BRIC nations. So what about the states? What about Canada? Canada, the bill won't move until something breaks. But as soon as something breaks... They're going to say, do we have something here that can solve our issues? Do <laughs> yes. Uh, Mooney, uh, this is his name. Uh, Mooney, he's actually the champion of this bill. He'll present it. And then we'll have the stability, the financial security, and then we can bring the debts down. We talk about this a lot. How do we bring the debts down? You revalue that gold. And if you read the act itself, it talks about bringing stability to the, dollars, to, to the U.S. dollar, pegging it to gold at gold's new price. What is that price? Yet to find out. So this is a very interesting time, very exciting prospect of the gold standard returning. What does this mean in Canada? We know that the U.S. dollar, ha the, the Canadian central bank has no gold. We're backed by treasuries. We're backed by U.S. debt. So Canada, although we don't have any, have any reserves, we have a lot of the gold in the ground. So it's very exciting. Gold standard bill, H.R., 2435 incoming gold standard. There you go. And maybe one day they'll have uh, they'll have the, the the chairman of the Federal Reserve testifying to Congress and they'll say what they often say when they get hot under the collar. They'll say, well, you know, we're enacted by Congress and Congress might just say, well, you know what? You're right. I think I'm going to click my heels three times, enter a bill to get rid of the Fed. Stranger things have happened in the world, and more and more people are awake to that. So a um, few minutes left, Jerry. I want to talk about another asset that is so important to help people to protect their wealth and something that can be passed on generation to generation. That's natural fancy-colored diamonds. Um, we want something that's rare. We want something that's beautiful. We want, And in, with natural fancy-colored diamonds, they are incredibly rare as, as well as beautiful. But for every 10,000 white diamonds out there, there's only one color diamond, and that doesn't make it investment grade. You have to get down to one-tenth of one percent of, of all diamonds to get to a place where you have a natural fancy color diamond with strong enough color, good enough clarity, and with enough size to actually be an investment grade. That means that, as an example, I, I was looking at the Fancy Color Research Foundation, a, a pink diamond, quarter carat, um, intense, purplish pink, VS quality, you're not going to see those, those come out once every few years. That's how rare it is. 
That's like having like a vintage Ferrari in your driveway. Yeah. It's having real estate in your pocket. And even before the Argyle mine closed, between 2005 through, uh, or sorry, 2003 through 2015, the market went up something like 300%. And the market's just starting to move again. You've got, um, you have a newsletter from a company out of Australia. Mm -hmm. um, we'll get to in just a quick second. There is an ultra rare pink diamond going up for auction and then it's expecting $35 million at auction. Who puts that kind of money into a diamond unless you are, you are very confident that that is moving much, much higher and that it's a safe place to put value? Yes, we have to keep an eye on this. This is very exciting. Um, huge diamond. Look at the beauty of this stone, the, the, the quality, the characteristics of this diamond. This is going to fetch, it's talking about $35 million at auction. I see that happening. When investors are looking to protect their wealth because of inflation, because of the volatility, this is one rare asset, and rarity is the key here, that you will see stable growth throughout the years to come, an asset that, you're, that you can easily pass on and maneuver, and having concentrated wealth to pass on without the bureaucracy of governments and the bureaucracy of legal to pass on wealth. This is the asset. If you're looking to diversify, you need to know that this is one that is going to protect your wealth, yes, but has a strong history of long-term capital appreciation. According to the Australian Diamond Portfolio, we have the report here that pink diamonds have the potential to deliver very strong long-term capital gains over the past 15 to 20 years. Anyone that has purchased a pink diamond has has seen a significant appreciation in the value of their investment from fancy intense pink to vivid pink these diamonds have returned historic good appreciation the value of a $25,000 investment back in 2004 uh, to today if it's a fancy it's up 572 percent if it's a fancy intense right medium medium uh, rarity $190,000 it's worth a $25,000 investment it's up 664% and if it's vivid 750% over the last uh, since 2004 give us a call we have natural fancy colored diamonds available we do the we do the research we purchase those diamonds we've invested in those diamonds first these are diamonds that we can get behind and we'd love to show them to you love to show you the beauty and show you how it all works the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com Thank you so much for everyone for listening today. Jerry, that was a great conversation. want to give a quick shout out to a new client, Melissa, as well as to all of our new clients. Um, always great to talk to everyone. Such great conversations throughout the week. But we can't wait to speak to you next week here on The Real Money Show on AM640. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.